Lights, who's fired up to be in the house of God this weekend? Welcome to all of our campuses. God Behind Bars, thrilled to have everyone with us at all of our campuses. We are one church, many locations, one building, a ton of rooms, and we love everyone at every campus. Man, it is really incredible. We have already set before December record attendance baptisms this year. We've had more people come to Jesus this year than any time in our 25-year history. So excited. This weekend is week two of Next Steps. We're gonna take a little jaunt to the gym via video, you and I, and uh, we're gonna learn the secret to spiritual growth. So it's Saturday night at 6.15, 11.30 at every campus this weekend. Man, I hope you can hang around and go to one of those two. If you've not been, it is going to help you. Well, Christmas Spectacular is almost with us. Depending on what campus you go to, make sure you know all the times and the services what a great time to invite family and friends to an event where we have fun. There's stuff for families to do. We come in, an incredible time of worship, really kid-friendly. It's family-friendly. It's going to be in the gospel. Last year, 266 people said yes to Jesus. And so, man, I want to challenge you. Bring people this week. All right. We're going to we're going to do a sort of different kind of message. I want to give you a new sort of way to look at scripture or how to dive into the, uh, to the word. We're gonna see sort of when and why God chose to invade the planet through his son the very first Christmas. It was a well-planned invasion to this Christ must, and we're gonna learn why. 2 Timothy 2.15 says, to be diligent, study, to show yourself approved, a workman that rightly handles or rightly divides the word of truth. Accurately handle or rightly divides the word of truth. That word divide is a, it's a Greek word. It's a compound word. It comes from two things. One is to dissect or cut straight, to rightly divide. The other is, the other is, is, is tomos. It means to make straight. Ortho, it's where we, literally where the word orthodontist comes from. That literally means a tooth straightener. And so the scripture wants to make us straight, so we have to actually handle or rightly divide the truth. Now, the whole Bible, Old and New Testament, is God's story. Matter of fact, all of history is really his story. Would y'all agree with that? And so we're going to look at, one of the things I think we need to do as believers is get better at telling God's story. Let's quit letting the world tell God's story because they never tell it right. Let's let the people that know God tell the story of God. The Bible, amen, come on. The Bible is a book of books. It is a library. There are 66 books that make up the Bible, 39 Older Testament, 27 Newer Testament, and you were always on the heart of God, and he planned you into his story. As he wove the tapestry of time and truth before the foundations of the world, God was already weaving you into his story. Now, you're gonna wanna take some notes or you'll get about five minutes into this and say, oh, I wish I'd have taken notes. So let me just challenge you, grab your phone out, something, and take some notes because we're gonna lay the story for the greatest foundation ever written. And 
And if, if I believe that God wants to do something great with all of our lives. Y'all believe that? So what we have to do is we have to have a, a foundation so that God can do something huge. God always lays a foundation. He goes down before he goes up. So we're going to break the Old Testament down into 10 periods. People say, I don't like the Old Testament. I don't, read, I don't I want to read the Old Testament. You can never get a hold of the New Testament or the gospel without a grasp of the Older Testament. And so I want to challenge you, if you are a child of God, to get in the book of God so you know the story of God so that you can reflect God. Are you, re are you with? If you're ready, say I'm ready. ready. Number one is the primeval period. It is about 2600 B.C. and goes backwards. Understand as we go through the time B.C., we're going to count down to the invasion and then after then A.D., then we count up in time. Genesis, about 21 B.C. and backwards. It is Genesis chapter 1 through Genesis chapter 11. It is the creation of the universe. It's the creation of Adam and Eve and the Garden of Eden. It is the great flood to punish sin. And then it is the division of, of people and languages at the Tower of Babel as God gave them all these languages and people began to spread out. That's the primeval. Number two is the patriarchal period, 21 BC, 2100 B.C. to 1500 B.C. This is where the fathers were the leaders or the priests of their home. This is when Job would have happened because when you read the story of Job out of the book of Job, you see that Job is regularly making sacrifices for his family in case they had sin. And so uh, it, there was not a priesthood. So in that time, people did their own sacrifices and that's what was going on. And, and so uh, that end period number three would be the Exodus period. It is Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy. It is about 1500 to 1400. About the best dating of the Exodus when Moses was sent to get the people of God who had been enslaved in Egypt for 400 years and bring them back to the promised land about 1446. It's the burning bush, all that stuff that happened then. Moses goes, gets them and brings them, but they don't enter the promised land. It takes us to period four, the period of conquest. It was the period of, of Joshua being the leader. That's when the book of Joshua is written, 1400 to 1350. Joshua is Moses' assistant. Moses died. Joshua becomes the leader. They, the priests march into the Jordan River. The water stops. Everybody goes across in dry land. And they invade Israel, starting with the city of Jericho, Ai, and they move in for 50 years. Yet they still do not fully possess the land. And so near, near the death of Joshua, he divides out the land between the 12 tribes, the 12 sons, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and then and, and Joseph, or Jacob's 12 sons. And so there are 12, tribal, there are 12 tribes in Israel, and he tells them where the land is, go get it. I know people are there. You got a man up, go get it. That's when Caleb said, I'm 80, give me that mountain. And so they move in and they're taking over Israel, which takes us to period number five, which is the period of the judges. Because Joshua dies, 
the elders with Joshua dies, all the people who knew the works of God died, and then the people spent from 1374 to about 1051 doing whatever they thought was right, and every man did what was right in his own eyes. The book of Judges is written, the book of Ruth is written, and it, this period ends with the introduction of David, who would later become the king. He, in fact, became the king by which all Israeli kings were measured. We end up period number six, the united monarchy. There are three kings that rule, Saul, David, and, and David's son, the wisest man that ever lived. And so these three kings are, are so it's the, it is, it, they're there, it's incredible. David is a military man. He spreads out Israel to its borders. Solomon takes over a time of peace. He builds the kingdom. It is incredible, it's wonderful. And then in 932, he dies. King Solomon dies. His son Rehoboam takes over. Are you with me? And then the civil war. Actually, a fire is not shot. The 10 southern tribes become a nation and the, and the northern part are, are Judah and Israel. Judah is in Jerusalem. So we got this united monarchy. It's incredible. 932, Solomon dies. Rehoboam takes over. And then boom. It's, it is, it is, it, we enter the divided monarchy. Are you with me? Divided monarchy. So now again, Solomon writes the book of Proverbs, the wisest man that ever lived. So 1st and 2nd Samuel, 1st and 2nd Kings, 1st and 2nd Chronicles are written. 1st Samuel is Samuel, introduction to David. 2nd Samuel is the Davidic, the Davidic covenant which God makes with David. If your sons will follow me, you will never lack a man to sit on the throne. And yet that, that promise was fulfilled because Jesus was a son of David and is the king of heaven, the king of eternity. And so that's 2 Samuel, 1st and 2 Kings is Solomon. 1st and 2 Chronicles deals with Jerusalem and Judah. And then we move into the period of the divided kingdoms, 931 through 722. Man, division is not a new thing. Are you with me? There's always that. So we got the 10 southern tribes. And here's, here's what boggles my mind. The 10 southern tribes don't go to Jerusalem they don't go up there where Solomon has built the temple, and so they now begin worshiping idols. The very thing that God warned them most, so they're worshiping idols, and, and they're becoming more and more wicked. And in 722, Sargon, the king of the Assyrians, comes into the southern kingdom and wipes them out, takes them captive, takes their land, doesn't bother the northern, doesn't bother Judah, doesn't bother Jerusalem. Hezekiah is the king, they're still serving God, They'll show honoring God. Are you with me? He is the king of Judah or Jerusalem or the northern kingdom. That leads us into the seventh period, which is the single kingdom. Again, that is where there's Judah and the Judah and Dan. There's, there's, there's Judah in there in Jerusalem. Now you would thought, you would think that they would watch the southern tribes go crazy forget God, worship idols, and be destroyed, and they wouldn't do that. <laughs> Completely the they, they They are worse. So in 712, 
the Assyrian kingdom falls, which Nineveh is the capital of, sort of like D.C. is the capital of, so, so that, 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 that kingdom falls, Nebuchadnezzar becomes the king, and in 605, Nebuchadnezzar attacks Jerusalem and takes away the captives. In this taking of captives, there's a young man that many of you have heard of, Daniel in the lion's den. That Daniel is taken along with the other exiles to Babylon. And there they are. The three main prophets that are they're preaching are Daniel, Ezekiel, and Jeremiah. 586, Nebuchadnezzar comes back because he sets up a king that doesn't do what he said. He comes back the next time, destroys Solomon's temple, destroys Jerusalem, takes the bulk of the rest of the people back into what the Bible calls the 70 years of exile. They're exiled from Israel. So the land is going to rest for 70 Sabbaths. Daniel is in the palace with Nebuchadnezzar. Ezekiel is in Babylon with the captives. And, and Jeremiah, the weeping prophet, is left in Jerusalem with the poorest of the poor. Now they are exiled. There's no house of God worship. None of that's happening. And it's a terrible time. Then we get to the period of the exile or the period of captivity, 605, Nebuchadnezzar begins it, Cyrus ends it in 539. Now, if you're in the Bible reading plan with us, we just finished Daniel. And Daniel is reading the scroll of Jeremiah. And Daniel sees where Jeremiah says that the captivity would last for 70 years. And Daniel gets his calculator out, pulls his iPhone out, checks it out, and realizes this is the 69th year. God's about to release us. So he begins to pray. He begins to confess all the sins, asking God to do what he said. Now, we don't know whether Daniel went to Cyrus the Persian. We know that Cyrus was the king, and, the Cyrus, and King Cyrus let all the Jews go. Did Daniel go say, hey, by the way, the Bible said you're going to let us go, so if I was you, I'd just go ahead and do that? Or whether God spoke to Cyrus individually and said, let my people go. But we know in 538, Cyrus tells the Jews, you can all go home, rebuild the temple, I'll pay for it and pray for my sons. So in 536, they're back in their own land. 536, they begin laying the foundation of the temple and for a year they work on it and then you know what they did? They what? They quit. They went working their farms, their houses, their lands, they forgot about the worship. They were sent from captivity back to Israel to build the temple and they said, we're gonna take care of our stuff. Don't worry about God's stuff. Does that sound like the 21st century church in America to y'all? I got my stuff. My kids have got sports and man, I got this and I got that. We really don't have time to go to church. We don't have time to do group. We really got, are y'all with me? I'm gonna take care of my stuff and I'm really not gonna worry about God's stuff. So, God sends Haggai and Zechariah to begin preaching and telling the people of God, get back and build my temple. So 16 years later, they start building again. Four years later, Zerubbabel's the governor, and they finish the second temple, and temple worship has begun. And people are weeping, they're shouting. It's an incredible time. Brings us to the last period of the Old Testament, the time of restoration, 539 to 400 B.C., the Jews are in their land. They've got a temple. Life is good. And then God goes silent. For 400 years, 
God doesn't speak. He doesn't send a prophet 400 years. That 400 years of silence begins with Malachi chapter 4, finishing in verse 6, as God closes the Old Testament when he said, I will turn the hearts of the fathers back to the children and the hearts of the children back to the fathers, lest I smite the land with a curse. Don't you think of me for a minute. Just if you're thinking, say, I am. The biggest cities in America where the fatherlessness is at the highest, crime is at the highest, drug abuse is at the highest, teen pregnancy is at the highest, high school dropout is at the highest. Every way that you can measure negatively a city, the higher the fatherlessness goes, the higher the lawlessness climbs. We in America are watching the curse of fatherlessness. Are you with me? And so, but that word, that's the last word that God leaves. And so, man, we're talking about real people and real problems. They've been around a long time, hadn't they? But let me warn you, listen, this is a biblical principle. Are you ready? If you're ready, say, I'm ready. Don't take God's silence for inactivity. God was at work in a major way. People just don't know history well enough to know what God was doing. So the Jews now that had been dispersed all around began meeting in groups called Knessets, or the, the, the word is assembly, because they're scattered, they're not near the temple, they gather together, and they begin calling these places they gathered synagogues. The word synagogue means we go together. Every community, well, no matter where it was, if it had 10 Jewish men, they got a synagogue. Everyone participated in the life of the synagogue. It's part of what it meant to be Jewish. Are you with me? You went to the synagogue. Sort of like today, part of what it means to be a Christ follower is we're faithful to the house of God. Amen, are you with me? It's just sort of what it, what it means. And so now these, these Jews... They didn't have an opportunity if they got mad at the rabbi to go to the synagogue down the street. They had to learn to love and live with each other because they were persecuted and hated. They needed each other. Are you with me? Today, we get mad at the preacher. We get mad at somebody. Every three, four, five years, we go to another church. We pull up out of the house. We cut our roots off and we try to replant and we replant and we replant and we become a bonsai. Little bitty, bitty tree in a little bitty pot because we've never grown roots. Those that are planted in the house of the Lord will flourish like the cedars of Lebanon. Y'all know, are y'all with me? And so, I mean, you gotta, be, you gotta be planted, you gotta be faithful. Any coaches of any kind of ball teams? Let me see any coaches. All right, how would, it, how would your team work if your players showed up about every other game and every third practice? Would you have a team? Excuse me? No, well, that's why the church has grown so weak in America. Because we show up every two or three games and every two or three practices. What if every player showed up every game? That's exactly right. It'd be a winner. It'd be incredible. So you got to get planted. Now, the synagogue is not a biblical thing. It's a Babylonian thing. It happened in the Babylonian period. It's just what they called where they 
where they were. Now, the, the Persian period, the Babylonians were still spreading out all over the world. And in 356, the king of, of Macedonia had a son, and you know his son. His name is Alexander the Great. In 333 to 300, he conquered the known world. Got off his horse and went because there was no place left to conquer. So as, as Alexander the Great conquered the world, he Hellenized the world. As they went, they planted a common language called Koine Greek. Are you with me? Before this, everybody spoke different languages, couldn't communicate. 207 years before Jesus invades planet Earth, the Septuagint, which was a Greek translation of the Hebrew scriptures, was made for the people. Alexander the Great dies. The kingdom is split four ways, exactly what Daniel said in his prophecy in the book of Daniel. And the Greek dynasty moves in until 63 when the Romans took over. Octavian, the grandnephew of Julius Caesar, took over when Mark Anthony changed his name to Caesar Augustus, which means the exalted one. Now, for 400 years, listen, are you with me? A lot of history. I got that. I told you a little different. Okay, listen. 400 years, roads were built to everywhere. Common language was, was everywhere. A place of worship called a synagogue was in every community. And in the fullness of time, God sent forth his son, born of a woman under the law. And a decree was sent out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this was the first census that was taken when Cornelius was governor of Syria and everyone went to their own home to register. David being of the house and the lit, um, uh, Joseph being in the house and the lineage of David went to Bethlehem to register along with his wife who was pregnant with Jesus. And while they were there, the fullness of time came for them to get, for her to give birth, but there was no room in the inn and she gave birth in a stable. Decree was sent out. So there was Mary. There she was giving birth in a stable in the city of David, in the town, listen, of Bethlehem, which was a priest town that was set up in the Old Testament. Every so geographically, there'd be another town for the priest. And at night, there were shepherds keeping watch over their flocks by night. And the angel of the Lord showed up and they were greatly afraid. And the angel said, fear not, for we bring to you good tidings of great joy for all the earth. For tonight is born to you in the city of David, a savior, which is Christ the Lord. And you will find a sign for you will see the child wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. You don't 
The Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. You see, the angel said, you're gonna go and there's gonna be a sign for you will find the baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and laying in a manger. Now that's the way we do babies. We wrap them in cloths and we lay them down. That's not what happened in the Bible. They took lambs who were being prepared for sacrifice. They were wrapped in swaddling cloths and they were laid in the manger. Caesar, Jesus' birth, it wasn't about poverty, it was about prophecy. And those shepherds realized the Messiah, the Lamb of God that will take away the sins of the world. It was time that God invaded. You see, God made a garden. It was called the Garden of Eden. And he put Adam and Eve in that place. Most likely, Mount Moriah, the place where God has been seen. It's the place where Melchizedek preached from. It's the place where God made Adam. Today, it's under, it's under the dome of the dome of the rock. It's the holiest place on the planet. I've seen pictures of back when you could go in, of friends of mine, where there's a rock in the center and there's a square chiseled out, the exact dimensions of the Ark of the Covenant, where the Holy of Holies was. It is the place where God has been seen. 4, 000, over 4,000 years ago, God gave Abraham a promised son his name was Isaac. A thousand years later, the temple opened up that Solomon built. And a thousand years later, the Lamb of God showed up. When there was word, roads around the world, when there was a language around the unknown world, in the fullness of time, Jesus shows up. And on the northernmost part of that sacred mountain, Jesus was crucified, rose from the grave, and is living as the King of eternity right now. Y'all are scaring him. He's coming again. The question is, will you be ready? Throughout God's history, God was leading to this moment. Throughout the tapestry of time that God has woven his people that love him, 
even before there was a Christmas or a cross or an Easter, God was weaving you into his plan. So what's your part of the story? Maybe today it's time for you to step into the new chapter that God has for your life. He, that's why he sent Jesus. That's why the Lamb of God came to pay for your sins so that you could know God and be with him forever. Isaiah the prophet wrote, all of us like sheep have gone astray. Yet the iniquity of us all was laid upon him. You see, when we were imperfect, marred, messed up and jacked up, God sent a perfect lamb to take our place. His name is Jesus. It's, he came that we could repent of our sins because of the law and we could turn and be forgiven. In the book of Hebrews, in the New Testament, it says, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. And Jesus became the perfect sacrifice for our sins, covered it up. Our penalty, our punishment, our shame, our guilt was washed away by the perfect blood of the spotless Lamb of God. In the fullness of time, when people thought God had forgotten and forsaken, God had a plan. Now we've all sinned. And the Bible says in Romans 6, 23, the wages or the payment of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. He said, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that God raised from the dead, you'd be saved. We've all sinned. Come on. Listen, with the help of God and the gospel, you can turn the page on your sin. You can turn the page on your shame and you can walk into freedom. Man, with the mouth we confess and with the heart we believe resulting in salvation. Why? Because of the Lamb of God. Wrapped up in those swaddling cloths, the angels worshiped, the shepherds worshiped, Mary and Joseph worshiped, and you know what, 21 centuries later, those of us that have been forgiven, we still worship. So if you'd like to join God's incredible story, He wants you to be a part. He just said, reach out by faith and receive the gift of salvation. So I'm gonna lead us in a simple prayer right now to all of our campuses. Come on, if you're ready, every head bow, every eye closed, pray this simple prayer with us. Dear Jesus, I know I've sinned. I know I've failed. Forgive me. Come into my heart. I confess you as Lord, my Lord. I turn my back on my past and my sin. I turn to Jesus. I will follow you. Show me how forever. Now still with heads bowed and eyes closed, if you prayed that just simple prayer and you just opened your heart up to Jesus, would you just slip your hand up and say, Pastor, I just, I prayed with you, just slip it up. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. We lift it up till somebody walks by and hands you a card. Hold it up. Hold it up. Hold it up. All right, look up here. Man, every service, every weekend, people 
began a new relationship, a new chapter with Jesus. And the angels in heaven party, come on. Let's give the Lord praise in the house, would you? Think about that, huh? You know, they're cute when they're little. It's like a puppy, but they've grown to be dogs. We wanna help you with your next step. If you, if you would, if you pray with me, if you'll pull the card out in front of you, we call it a communication card, fill it out, check the circle that says, I made a decision to follow Jesus. I need to be baptized. And the next one is next steps. I encourage you, it's after this service or it's at, at all of our campuses, 1130, just man, just go to that and it will, you'll begin a process that will change you forever. Let's go ahead and fill those out. Guess if you'll fill them out or anything you need, put in, the, put in those offering buckets, the cards as, they, as the buckets come by. And the guests after this service, there are folks in the back, love to meet with you. Just go through those center doors and there'll be people there with a gift for you. We're thrilled you're here. For God so loved the world that he what? That he gave. He gave. God's a giver. And part of our worship is generosity. God gave his first, his best, and his only son, the Lamb of God, so that we could have a way to heaven. I want to challenge you. Join the generosity journey. Honor God with your finances. Put God first in every part of your life. Just respond to him. I want to challenge you. Man, today might be, it's, it might be the, yeah, yeah. Hope you don't have teeth. Uh, so we challenge you to take your next step in generosity. Maybe the first time you'll give or you've given, but come on, let's be faithful to the Lord. I'm gonna pray, your ushers are coming forward and we're gonna give and we're gonna shout when we give because it's good to give to God, isn't it? Amen, come on. So God, we love you. We ask you to bless this offering. We ask you, God, to use us to tell the greatest story ever told, that Jesus came and made a way for us. We're so grateful. Bless the gift and the givers, our prayer in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. all right, let's give God a shout of praise. Say bye. We're going to share another song with you that explains what the Christmas season is all about. Jesus being the Lamb of God, our ultimate grace, our Savior. So would you please stand with us as we sing.
faith promise. Aren't you glad you came to church this weekend? If you're a student or family with students, be sure that you don't miss Fusion 2020 happening January 24th through the 26th. 
Fusion happens every year, and I promise you this, it's going to be one of the best Christmas gifts you could get your students because it's going to be a life-changing gift. Sign-ups are happening right now, and up until December 18th, the ticket cost is only $49. So be sure this weekend to go to fusion.events.com to sign up your student or head out to any one of our booths in the lobby where you can get your students signed up for Fusion. Also, we need your help to help make Christmas Spectacular possible. If you're interested in helping for Christmas Spectacular, be sure to go to serve.fpchristmas.com or find any one of our staff members or pastors in the lobby, and they can get you signed up to serve at Christmas Spectacular. Also, if you're joining us for the first time this weekend, or maybe you've been here at Faith Promise for a while, but you're wondering, what is my next step here at Faith Promise? Well, Next Steps is your next step. Next Steps happens every weekend in the chapel, so be sure to make your way to the lobby where someone will get you connected with Next Steps this weekend. Faith Promise, it's so great to see you, and we will see you next weekend.